0: Good afternoon. My name is Delene Church, and I'm a lawyer practicing in a small town in Saskatchewan called Davidson. Good afternoon, Angela. Good afternoon. Can you please state your name and spell your first and last name for the record?
1: Angela Taylor, A-N-G-E-L-A-T-A-Y-L-O-R. Thank you.
0: Angela Taylor, in your testimony here this afternoon, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. Thank you. Angela, you are an LPN who was working at a senior's home at the start of the pandemic. And at the time, the vaccinations began being given in the senior's home you were working in you were witness to the effects that those vaccinations had on the senior patients you were caring for. Can you tell the commissioners what you noticed in these seniors after receiving their COVID vaccinations?
1: Okay, can I read from my sheet or, okay. First of all, I just wanna thank you for doing this inquiry and giving us a voice to tell our stories. I feel privileged to be chosen to be one of the people included in this inquiry. I just wish I didn't have so much knowledge and experience from our government's mishandling of COVID. I have been a nurse in a long-term care home facility for over seven years and been working for the Prince Albert Parkland Health region for almost 20 years. I saw firsthand how the lockdowns, (sighs) sorry, affected the mental health of my residents. So many of them gave up wanting to live. They weren't able to see their family members or friends for so long, they gave gave up. Then came the good old vaccine, 29 out of the 30 residents received them. Within 24 hours, many of the residents had side effects, such as increased heart rates and pulses, not just a little high, but life-threatening high. We had to call some of the family members to come, which they hadn't been able to see since we were locked down. Because we didn't know if they were going to make it. One of the, our residents, who was the best functioning resident there prior to the vaccine, went downhill to the point where she could not walk, talk, feed herself, or even hold a cup. She ended up in a Broda chair, not able to enjoy life, and passed shortly. The next thing I noticed is that the disease, disease processes sped up like a threefold, and they have never rebounded so the threefold as I'm talking about is if they have dementia before that like they were admitted into the long-term care because they had dementia it sped up so fast that they didn't know anything anymore or if they had Parkinson's it totally crippled them or if it had Huntington's it went faster and faster or cancer it sped up the cancer rate as well um, I must add that I never wanted these I was not in favour of them, and I did not administer these vaccine injections. I did not want that blood on my hands. After working three or four of the vaccines, I don't know how my shifts always landed on the boosters, I finally went to my, my boss and said, I do not want to work up to two weeks after their vaccines because I'm, I'm, I don't want to phone family members. I don't want that on my hands. It was, it was terrible. I can't, I can't even explain what I saw. Angela? Angela?
0: Can you tell us a bit about, then, what transpired as far as your job requirements, that it became mandatory for you to be vaccinated?
1: Yeah. um, It was after the first month that the the residents were vaxxed. We were told that we were having to start to get vaxxed as as employees of SHA. And after what I saw, I, I knew for a fact that I didn't want this vax. I'm not pro-vax, I, like, I, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, I mean, like, I've had all my vaccines, even ones that I needed to get to be a nurse, and when I went traveling, I've had to get vaccines, like, I'm not saying that I don't agree in vaccines, but I started researching, and, like, you, I don't know, I'm guessing you guys have been told that when you get medication, you usually have a little pamphlet in there, the vaccines didn't have a pamphlet, and, we kept being told it was for our health and for our residents and whatever, and I researched myself, and I didn't like what I was seeing, and I didn't want the mRNA vaccine, and I didn't want it to board a fetuses. And I have really lots of allergies, and I was concerned for my health because I have lots of allergies. And uh, I uh, tried to get my doctor to give me a medical exemption for my allergies because I can't even take lots of the antibiotics, and I couldn't get an exemption because Dr. Shahab, the chief medical officer, said that they weren't allowed to give out exemptions. So then I tried a religious exemption, and uh, SHA wouldn't accept my religious exemption either. So um, I ended up getting the Johnson & Johnson vaccine on March the 23rd, um, because the due date was December 1st, and I only had, like, A week left before I either had to change careers or or whatever kind of thing so I I ended up going in and getting my vaccine and yeah it wasn't a good thing so after taking your
0: vaccine you had some serious health concerns can you tell us about that
1: um yeah uh, about three weeks after I had my vaccine, I um, one night I had heart attack symptoms, and I took myself to the hospital. And uh, I kept saying, "I just received my vax three weeks ago. I'm I'm I've got high allergies, and I had the I have um, to this day, which is just about two years now, I've got this electrical current." That goes from the top of my heart up into my neck and down my arm. Um, Since this all took place, I can't sleep on my left side. Um, I have had so many tests, so many times going to the hospital to see doctors that don't even... They just want to COVID swab me just to make sure I don't got COVID. They don't want anything to do with the adverse reactions or anything like that. Um, I've tried... Well, I've gone to a cardiologist. I've been sent to him, but he wrote me off in the end of December because he told me it wasn't my heart. Um, but nobody can come up with a diagnosis. Um, my health, in overall, it's not good. I I can sleep 24 hours a day. Um, I am lethargic, which means I just don't have the energy. I Yeah, like, I was not like this two years ago before I had my vaccine. I used to work Crazy shifts. I live a block from the nursing home and I would get called and I would be doing 12-hour shifts and then being on call all night and then doing another 12-hour shifts, being on call all night, do another 12-hour shift. Like, I do that countless times. Like, I used to be able to do more than I can do now. And are your symptoms um, still being investigated Mm -hmm. by anyone? No, they basically wrote me off. At the beginning, they told me to see um, massage therapy and chiropractor because they figured it must be some kind of a muscle or whatever, and I did that for two, three months, and then I went back. My my nurse practitioner retired, and I saw um, the new nurse practitioner, and uh, she called the cardiologist on call and PA, and I went directly there to do a stress test and ECG and blood work and all that, and... uh, I actually had a friend who is an emergency doctor and PA, and I asked him if he would kindly put myself at ease and do a D-dimer test, Um, and that's when they found out that I actually had above D-dimer, I had like a blood clot somewhere. My friend was like, Angie, I don't know what I can do, because I shouldn't send you home, but the CT machine is down. I know you're on an aspirin a day. I should give you tins of parin, which is a blood thinner. I don't feel good about letting you go home because if you die, it's kind of on me. And, and I said to him, I said, I'll be back here at 7 in the morning because he knew I lived 45 minutes out of town from Prince Albert. And he just didn't feel good about that. But when I did the CT scan, they only did my heart and my lungs. They didn't do my limbs. And I have been telling the doctors that I had like a charlie horse in my arm and eventually after a couple months of uh, aspirin a day, my, my charlie horse disappeared, which I'm guessing is a blood clot. Um, yeah, I...
0: Did any of the doctors you saw mention... COVID ask you if you'd had the vaccine oh, yeah. how far ahead you'd had it. They
1: wanted me to get my second and third okay. shot because the Johnson and Johnson was a one shot and I said no absolutely not. I said I know I've got an injury from the vaccine that nobody will even touch me on and uh, they just wanted to give me another COVID shot because it was a Johnson and Johnson it wasn't Pfizer or Moderna and they wanted to give me a COVID swab because I probably had COVID that I didn't know about and so there was no um, connection
0: made by any health care no. that possibly this was a vaccine injury? No. Or that if you considered it to be one, what you could do about that? No. Okay. No. So you also had some effects in your family from COVID restrictions and mandates. Your husband, children, parents, and your mother-in-law were all affected. Can you briefly
1: tell us about that? um yeah um so at our school it's a public school and in conditional and uh i have to sign a form saying that they can get their picture taken but when the health vaccines rolled out in our school systems they did not need our parents signature anymore, and with the peer pressure and all that, we pulled our two stu- our two kids out of public school and we homeschooled, our 16-year-old and 14-year-old now. They had to quit, um, quit playing sports because they weren't allowed to, and then um, my 22-year-old daughter was going to university in Regina, and she was in her third year of social work, and she had to drop out because there was... She didn't like online learning, and then because of the vaccine mandates, she couldn't go to school. My son got married. uh, He's 26, and uh, he could only have 30 people at his wedding. My mother-in-law, I just want to uh, read this because I don't want to mess this up. My mother in law got COVID, and to make a long story short, she passed away after getting pneumonia. But the doctors and the nurses wanted to vax her right up until her death. Plus, they didn't treat us like they treated us like second class citizens for not having been vaxxed or having not the boosters. It was awful. We were in the city visiting her and they told us that we may have to put her on a ventilator in a while, but it wasn't urgent. They suggested that we go somewhere and discuss this as a family and that they assured us that they would let us know before that they did anything. We returned from lunch to find her in an adduced coma and already ventilated, and she never regained consciousness again. They did this while we were gone, and her own kids never got a chance to say goodbye to her. Her last words to the nurse was, tell her, tell my family I love them. They were flippantly passed by the uncaring nurses that told us that she, they would call before they hooked her up, and then they... Uh, made her do it alone when we were there at the restaurant less than 10 minutes away. The nurse on the phone had our numbers, and uh, I have told my husband to request her her um, medical records because I'm pretty sure that they did a whole lot of things that they shouldn't have done because, for one, she was unvaxxed, and she never did want to be vaxxed. So I'm pretty sure they gave her ear and a bunch of other things and they had her prone and everything that I read that you're not supposed to do, mm-hmm. they did. so. Okay, and your parents also yeah, suffered from vaccine um, injuries? Yes, my parents, they are um, elderly and they have a winter home in Yuma and they couldn't get across the border so they decided to get vaxxed so they could go to their winter home because my dad has a lot of health um, health. Things that go wrong with him because of his back and his neck. But when he's over in Yuma, he doesn't need a walker at all. He's really good over there. And anyways, my dad had a stroke a few months after they were down in um, Arizona. And then my mom, she started doctoring and ended up in the emergency room down there. And to this date, she can't find a doctor to listen to her. Um, It happened a few months after her Pfizer vaccine, um, her second one, so she could go to the States. But her hands are contracted and she um, can't hold um, cups or bake or any of that stuff. And she can't cut her food. Um, when she comes to our restaurant, she, I have to cut her food for her sometimes because she just can't do the motion. Um, she's 73 years old and she was in perfect health. It was my dad that had the health problems. That's why they were going to the States. And uh, yeah, she can't find any doctors to admit that it's a vax injury either. Okay. And your husband did not vaccinate and
0: lost his job?
1: Well, he didn't lose his job. Um, He he was working for a a farming dealership for 19 years, and he was on um, the setup and work crew kind of thing, and he couldn't go to Manitoba, and he couldn't eat in restaurants. And he couldn't um, go in to set up the, at the shows and stuff. He, um, the first show he went to, they made him swab so he could enter the building to set up. But the second show that he went to, they wouldn't allow that. You either had to be vaxxed or you couldn't go in. Um, and he was to the point where it was just, he was just kind of emotionally spent. He just didn't enjoy his job anymore. Um and then with him and I talking about how everything was so wrong because of my nurse and my HIPAA. And I know that unless you are my patient and you have AIDS or HEP or something and you're like having a baby or something, that it's going to affect me. I don't get to know your health information. And uh, I said, I don't need to go to Tim Hortons and tell them I'm vaxxed or not vaxxed to get a donut. Like that's it's so, so illegal. Um, so my husband and I discussed it and we prayed about it and we actually opened up a restaurant in Coniston for the unvaxxed um, because it was illegal and we went, to, uh, thanks to Tony Wells, we went to Tisdale to one of her Action for Canada things to find out what our legal rights as as a business owner because I, we're not business people. I'm a nurse and he worked for a farming dealership because he loves the farm life so... But, uh, yeah, that's...
0: And one other point I think you should talk about is your experience visiting the Regina Legislature and how you were received there.
1: Yeah. Um, Thanks to Nadine um, Wilson, the MLA. She's not my MLA, but she... (laughs) listened to me. She um, let us go to the legislative building. I believe it was, like, the second week of December or something like that. Um, and she told us after the fact like they did their legislative thing Um, she said in her 21 or 22 years of being an MLA she has never seen where the person we wanted to see refused to see us Um, Everett Hindley Minister of Rural and Remote Health um, he If you go back and you watch that, you'll be so appalled because I came out of there wanting to run for an MLA because i it was worse than watching kindergarten kids. Um, He kept telling Nadine Wilson to go do another election to see if she could win a seat because... Like, it was, it was childish. Like, he had no... There was so many of us there. There was, like, 8 to 10 or 12 of us there, and he didn't care about our vaccine injuries or how it affected us. There was a lady that I met there, and her and her son just both died six days apart. And, he, yeah, like... The testimonies that we shared amongst ourselves, it was amazing that we're alive. And like I said to my husband, if I die from a heart attack, I want you to pay for an autopsy. Because I know it's the vax. <laughs> and I have four kids and a grandchild. And I
0: know that it's my health.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: did the minister ever speak to
1: you? He gave us 15 minutes of his time because he had another a commitment. And he... Um, it, it, he was just doing it for the politics. He really didn't give a crap about any of us.
0: So, so no, no oh, guidance to you no of guidance. what you could do he, he's about...
1: He's nev- He's never phoned any of us. He has all of our statements. He's got our phone numbers.
0: Yeah, he doesn't care. Okay. What do you think our government could have done differently to have avoided the
1: negatives that you've seen? Oh. We need a whole new government. <laughs> it's everybody's there for themselves and their money and their their own gain. They don't care about the little old people. Like they don't care about any of us. Like the lockdowns hurt so many people. My mother-in-law said that uh, she would never ever live through another lockdown because her kids were too scared to come to see her. Um it should be, if you want to be vaxxed, vaxxed, go ahead, go crazy. But it shouldn't be mandatory. Um, I wrote many letters advocating for my residents to SHA, to Scott Moe, to Justin Trudeau, to... I never heard back from anybody. And I, it was it was illegal what we did to those old people. Like, we had to wear masks, and they we weren't allowed to touch them unless we were changing their diapers and... That's not that's not quality of life. That especially when you don't have a great, and like, end of life is so heartbreaking. Do the commissioners
0: have any questions?
2: Thank you very much for your testimony. Uh, I I can see you have a lot of notes that you've taken. Uh, would would you agree to make that available for the commissioner? Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. thank you for your courage and your service i have a question about your vaccine that the, your your um, your employer brought in a vaccine mandate as i understand it and you got one injection
1: yeah i got the johnson and johnson which was only a one dose vaccine and it was supposed to be no mrna and no aborted fetuses
2: but did you were you able to um Keep your job when you only had one vaccination. And yes,
1: you're... I had to prove that it was a one dose.
2: Ah, okay, I understand. Um, I have a couple of questions along with what was going on in the in the personal care home that you worked in. We've heard testimony from a lot of other, a number of other um, people who worked in those homes, and can you? Tell us a little bit about what the residents' life was like during that time with lockdowns, with no visitation, with staffing, et cetera.
1: It was was devastating. They, They lost the will to live. Like, it was tough. When you go to a nursing home, you have to give up so much of yourself. And they had given up so much, and now they're... Locked in this home that they can't have their loved ones or grandbabies or great-grandbabies come to see them. Um, they don't understand FaceTime because that's not the era they lived in. They um, one gentleman, he was a war vet, and he thought we were trying to kill him because we had to wear masks and we were giving him pills and and he didn't have to wear a mask, so he was scared. And like he didn't even have the strength to get out of his wheelchair, but yet at night he would barricade his door with a dresser because he was scared we were trying to kill him because he couldn't see our faces. So when I had to give him his medication, I had to take my mask off prior to getting to him, and I had to get down on my knees, and I had to say like what each pill was and like for him to trust me because he actually thought that I was going to try to kill him. Um... I we had one resident that actually needed a psych consult because she was trying to commit like she wasn't trying to commit suicide. She said she has no reason to live, and we were scared that she would hoard her pills because she was on lots of narcotics for pain. So we had to get we had to get her husband to come in to see her. And it's funny because once they saw their family, they spruced right up. But we had to get that, and then since we're in a small facility, it's not easy to get psych. Consults and then we had to do FaceTime site consults because the doctors couldn't see patients and yeah it was a it, yeah and then like I was I have in my notes that you will read that after the third third or fourth vaccine after I said I would no longer um, work these shifts anymore up to two weeks it was also because after that they didn't want us to to submit anything about adverse reactions to the higher-ups. And I said, well, I'm charting it in their nursing notes because this is illegal, because I am seeing heart rates of over 200 beats a minute. And I'm seeing blood pressures like I've never seen before on people that don't have blood pressure issues. And like, and you know, I've worked in the long-term care for seven years And I have never seen two strokes in 24 hours. And a few days later, those two strokes both died in 24 hours. I have never seen that in my seven years at that place.
2: What were the staffing levels at your facility like prior to the COVID-19? Did you have shortages of staff? Did you have excess staff? Did you have exactly the right amount of staff? prior to the COVID-19?
1: Um, we are always short staffed, so it doesn't really matter pre-COVID, during COVID, after COVID. It, it, um, but the thing is, people abused the the whole sick pay because I'm unionized. So I could say, oh, I was in contact with somebody, so I might get COVID, and I'd get 12 days paid COVID, so, and I couldn't show up for work. So it... it, it yeah, it was crazy. Like, and then when we were in contact with somebody, uh, they were down to like two nurses, so they had to get people from like all walks of of the SHA to come in and fill those positions. Which was funny because we couldn't go work in any other facility because we couldn't bring bad germs back into our facility. But then people that were working in emerge. Or in Estevan or Saskatoon, they could come work in our facility because we didn't have the manpower. Because we had to stay home for two weeks to make sure we didn't get COVID.
2: You know what you describe, what you have described through your testimony is 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 horrific. You know, you're talking about um, reactions or uh, alleged reactions after vaccines. You're talking about people being locked up in their rooms. You're talking about people not having sufficient staff, you're talking about all kinds of things. If, In your experience in that facility, was there any additional government monitoring? Did they come directly to see what was going on in the facility at any time?
1: No, I asked Scott Moe and a few of the MLAs around our area to come and talk to our residents to listen to what they needed to say. Because that was one of the things that they kept saying to me is nobody asked me what I wanted. They said if, you, if I wanted to be locked down, I, I would have did it in my children's homes. Or I, They said that they would rather die than be locked away in a nursing home where they couldn't even see their family members. For We had a husband and wife that they could see each other outside of a window. And they weren't allowed to touch, kiss, nothing and yeah it was it was illegal because nobody should be telling them what they can and cannot do as a spouse like
2: my last question is how how did the people administering the vaccinations to the to the residents ensure that there was informed consent
1: their families
2: and their families were informed of things that you've been hearing about potentials for adverse reactions and the risks and all, so that they could actually form informed consent?
1: Um, the first few vaccines, everybody was just gung-ho because they thought that they could come in to see their loved ones, but they weren't, that's not what was going to happen. It was never going to be opened. Like, we just got rid of our masks two weeks ago. Like, Yeah it was like um say my grandparent left me in charge of their written or their verbal consent i would say oh definitely like d- vaccinate them like some of them don't don't even have contact with their loved ones and they were saying vaccinate them yeah like now well there's not very many left from the start of this but um well what i noticed also is because I worked the first so many, by the second or third time I said, oh, so-and-so will be next in 10 minutes, and so-and-so will be next t- 10 minutes after that. And they laughed at me. And I said, no, like, I have figured this out. And, and sure enough, I would be running for the, the, the blood pressure machines, and I would be running for everything, because just as it happened prior, it happened, and I don't know if, because it didn't go by alphabetical order, I figured that much out, but finally, I had enough, and I said to my coworkers, "I, because we're the only nurse there, I'm the in-charge nurse, I look after 30 residents. I went and I got four charts out, and I said, look, A, B, C, D, first vaccine, A, B, C, D, second vaccine. It always was the same people in the same sequence. It, didn't, it, it was crazy. And finally, I said to one family member after the third one, I'm like, are you actually going to vaccinate them again for the next booster because like look what has happened to them every time. I said like you got to reconsider this.
2: How many how many medical doctors were present during the vaccinations of these um, of the residents?
1: None. We have a doctor that comes out maybe Mondays and Fridays if we're lucky and he doesn't really like elderly people, so it's not a big concern for him, but um, we've never had a doctor there, and when we have the adverse reactions, we never send them to a hospital, we just monitor them because it's end-of-life care.
2: So there were never reports to the CAFA system? Well,
1: we would report it to the doctor, and he would come and look at them on Monday or Friday, but... Like, and then I did the, uh, for myself, I did the complete charting in the nurse's notes. Plus, I did it for the higher-ups to be sent to the reactions. But like I said, after so many, they quit taking any of the, they didn't even care that this was really happening, I don't think. That's my opinion, because I was just, that's when I said, do, do not schedule me for any shifts up to two weeks after, because... Like one time I went in as a care aide because all the staff got sick as well because they were vaccinated the day before. So I went in to work as a care aide and there was only two care aides and a nurse and the nurse started getting sick and the other care aide that I was working with had to go home because she got sick. So there was like, yeah, I I saw so many health issues from my colleagues as well and they won't put the dots together. Like, there's a cold, and, like, I worked in that facility for the two years, and I don't, I never did fit an N95 mask, so I was using the nice blue little medical masks, and I went into 13 rooms one time. We had 13 people that had COVID, and I never got COVID the whole time I have worked there. I've never had COVID, and I was wearing my little flimsy mask with my medical gloves and my medical PPE, and... Um, I was the only nurse, so I had to go in and out of each of those rooms to give their medications and to do any dressings or to to do anything, and I never got COVID. I washed my hands with hot water and soap. I, you know, did everything I was supposed to do. But, yeah, everybody that I work with has basically got COVID a couple times, and, like, yeah.
2: Were there ever any... um overall staff meetings where you discussed what was going on and what the reactions you were seeing were and what the care level was for the residents
1: no because a lot of the people that i work with don't want to admit that the vaccines are wrong
2: thank you very much
1: on behalf of
0: national citizens inquiry i'd like to thank you very much for your testimony here today angela
1: okay thank you